to another episode of Music Life Radio. I am your host, Dan Sauter. Music Life Radio is a free podcast available on iTunes and your interwebs at musicliferadio.com, and it features interviews and stories about and related to music. Welcome to Music Life Radio. My name is Eric Kaur, and I'm here with Johnny Truant of The Truants. And we're really excited to have you today as a guest on our podcast. And could you tell us a little bit about some of your early interest in music? What got you involved in music? What, what Maybe your earliest memories. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, hey, what's up, Eric? Glad to be here. Earliest memories of music. You know, I'm going to actually just go ahead and start before my birth. Okay. Because I am a punk spawn. I like to say. So uh, now, is that something we can look up in the dictionary, or no? You're just gonna have to wait for me to define it okay. in a second. <laughs> so uh, yeah, my mother, she was born at exactly the right time to be like a little hippie, and then a little like Bowie fan, glitter kid, glam rocker, and then a punk. So she got to do every single one of those things, you know, one nice. right after the other. Probably some little disco stuff in there at some point. Um, my dad was like an art student from Kentucky who moved out to the Bay Area. He like, you know, was playing drums and stuff. So they're both kind of in like, you know, the 80s in that like San Francisco kind of artsy punk scene that was okay. going on. And um, they actually met, I think it was a gun club show. And they met because my dad was trying to hit on Patricia Morrison. And that is? Uh, oh, geez. Patricia Morrison from... a. Uh, Gun Club, uh, okay, Sisters of Mercy. Oh, okay, uh, okay, okay. She used to be Pat Bag and like Alice Bag bands. Really? Okay, yeah, I yeah. didn't. So, I didn't make all those connections. Yeah, yeah. Okay, wow. All right. Um, so that's how my parents met. So I, of course, I grew up listening to like. My dad was kind of more into like um, he played a lot of the Who, mm-hmm. uh, some Neil Young, uh, Talking Heads. My mom was into like. Devo, the Stooges, um, Bowie, of course. So I was just hearing this stuff from a really early age. I was a very strange little kid, um, very kind of shy and uh, unique, I guess. I was just kind of in my own little world, and I I never really liked what everyone else liked. Mm-hmm. So are you? Did you grow up here in the Bay? Area I did. I, okay. I was born and raised in San Francisco. We lived in this. Uh, kind of fucked up little red cottage up on Grandview Avenue. Okay. Yeah. Um, the first music that I, like, sort of independently liked on my own was, like, weird classical shit and stuff from 
the Renaissance and the Middle Ages for whatever reason. Okay. And then I was listening to world music for a while. This is when I'm like, you know, eight or nine. <laughs> it's almost like your parents are listening to, to rebel rock. And yeah. So that's your rebellion against the rebel rock. Well, in a way, I but. mean, like, yes and no. They also, you know, my dad would like blast Carmina Burana and shit. I started playing classical harp when I was eight. Wow. Of all things. Um, I had 10 years of instruction in that. Did you actually play the full size? Oh yeah, full size uh, concert pedal harp. Wow! I've I've barely touched a harp in years, but I I can still do it. I think I still got it. Tried it's an amazing it a couple instrument. months ago. It is. It's amazing. It's also very limited in terms of what people want to hear from it. You know, I was being taught to play like sacred Christian music, uh, Pachelbel's Canon, the kind of stuff that people want to hear at weddings. And okay. Yezu Joy of Man's Desiring. Um, and then there's Celtic harp, and people aren't really interested in harp for many things other than that. I've never heard of Celtic Oh, Celtic. It sounds cool. But... Yeah, I mean, it, it's like, you know, traditional Irish music. Uh, Turlo O'Carolan would be the kind of important composer for Celtic harp music. Whatever, I was more on the classical side. I started to get really bored with the things that I was being taught and kind of the whole image of harp. And I started composing. Now, was your dad still playing music? Or? Uh, he was kind of off and on. He wasn't playing drums for quite a while uh, when I was a kid, but he eventually got back with the, uh, the Ethel Merman experience. That's very cool. Yeah. For those who don't know, Ethel Merman experience is like a drag band fronted by a really excellent Ethel Merman impersonator uh, playing rock standards. So you've got, you know, Ethel Merman belting out a whole lot of love or smells like teen spirit or um, you really got me by the kinks. Oh, yeah. The voice. Yeah. The, the voice is spot on. Yeah. And they're hilarious and wonderful to watch. I guess what, where we're at, I'm still kind of playing classical harp. I've uh, started composing. My okay. first kind of writing of music was for harp. And I was doing these kind of like dark, creepy, cinematic sounding pieces which are pretty good, honestly. You know, when I think about some of the things I came up with when I was like 11, 12, I'm like, damn, that's really not bad if I do say so myself. Um, and did you teach yourself or did you no, 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 trained? No, 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 no. I was, I was classically trained. Okay. Um, I had a wonderful teacher who was very, uh, very sweet, but very like exacting and strict and classical and like um, from Bulgaria. And okay. So she was, she was lovely. Harp's lovely, but I was, you know, getting to be kind of a preteen. I was starting to listen to um, Susie and the Banshees and the Velvet Underground mm -hmm. and the Sex Pistols. And, you know, my, my musical interests are changing. Harp is very gendered, which it, it shouldn't be, in my opinion. But every goddamn person who was taking harp lessons that I ever met was female. It's funny. I never thought of it as a gendered, like it's, the way you're presenting it. But very, now that you say very it, very gendered. Yeah. Um, uh, and actually, also like very socioeconomically weird. You know, we we were middle class, but we were not upper middle class like most of my teachers, other students who I'd see at recitals and such. So it was just getting a little weird for me. I was starting to feel not so much like a girl. Because I am trans. So that was getting weird. 
I was starting to feel like I wasn't straight and, you know, all this stuff was going on back then where I was, you know, becoming aware of like, oh, gay people can't get married and it mm -hmm. sucks. And here I am being trained to play weddings, basically, is the moneymaker okay. for Harp. So, you know, all those things kind of led to me slowly breaking up with that instrument. And then I, uh, I picked up a bass when I was about 16. And um, took some lessons in that. It was, you know, kind of started trying to write more rock slash pop type songs, you know, just mm -hmm. more contemporary stuff. Tried to, like, get a bunch of my little high school friends together into a band several times and never never fucking worked um it was a pretty easy transition for you to bass i'm assuming it, it was because one of the things about harp is it's is like piano is um you're playing the melody and okay. the bass line i'd always had a very uh strong affinity for the left hand part on harp which is essentially the bass part so it, it kind of made sense now the, the thing where it's a fretted instrument was initially really fucking confusing to me because harp, like pianos, you know, one string or one key is yeah. one note. And it's all laid out in a linear fashion, and you can look at the scale. And so, you know, playing bass was kind of confusing at first after that. Because frets, you know, like these, these strings aren't just <laughs> one note. Like, what yeah. the hell is this? Um, but I, I picked it up pretty quickly, I'd like to say. Um, I don't know. Got put in my high school jazz band for a little bit. They had me play some bass. They had me do a little bit of singing, too. Mm -hmm. So you went to school in the city here, too? Then, mm, I was at school in the city until fifth grade. Um, in 2001, we moved to uh, Albany okay. in the East Bay. Mm -hmm. And I started getting sent to a school in El Sobrante. I went to Waldorf schools. I don't know if you okay. know what that is. Yeah. They're kind of weird alternative schools. I have mixed feelings about them. But it's also part of the reason that I had so much musical education so early. I started playing harp because in third grade, they're like, okay, time to learn an orchestral instrument and be in the orchestra. Oh, really? Yeah. Wow. So that's, that's it, pretty it, intense. it definitely benefited me on that level. And, you know, I was in choir and they forced us to learn to play recorder and a bunch of other See, I, yeah. I went to the basic public school where mm -hmm. our first instrument was the recorder and yeah. oh, it was a train wreck. Well, it, Waldorf is pretty funny because they, um, one of their weird quirks is they try to forbid the children from like watching movies or TV. They, it, yeah, anything. We're using computers. It, of course it didn't work. So you hand these like repressed second graders recorders and uh, Star Wars has just been you know, re-released. So they wouldn't... I mean, so they, all these second graders are playing the Imperial March on Soprano <laughs> recorders, and it's it's ear-splitting and off-key and just full classroom. <laughs> <laughs> on freaking recorders. Anyway, I, I kind of went off track a little bit with Waldorf. Let's curious, see. Do you have any recordings of, of the harp stuff that you composed? I do, but it's, it's very... Like bad quality. Like okay. I made it in Garage Band without a with like the computer's internal microphone. Ah, okay. When okay. I was like sixteen, and then put way too much reverb on it, kind of bullshit. But I should make some recordings of uh, those pieces that are actually decent, though, because be cool it, was, it was fun. Yeah. So I think we got as far as Waldorf. House, yeah, we we or got or Waldorf School. Waldorf yeah. School. Yeah, 
so yeah, I had a pretty like sheltered little life up until yeah, I guess about where we left off, sixteen or so. Things started to get a little weirder for me with like gender stuff mm -hmm. and you know sexuality stuff and i was having a really hard time fitting in in this little private school and no is this like a uniform school or is it no just, okay they're weird it would take a long time to explain like mm, what waldorf is but there were 60 students total in the entire high school it was pretty stifling wow. um and i was i was sick of everyone i had some kind of little meltdown and basically dropped out of high school after being like this practically straight-A student my whole life? I don't know. Some weird little switch got flipped for me. were in some tribulation at the time with each other and with themselves. I started going to community college, started, you know, drinking a little bit. My life kind of went off the tracks slowly. Did you um, have anybody to talk to about that stuff at the time or was it just stuff that you were kind of processing internally? I had a best friend who was great and then I hurt her really badly by hooking up with someone she really didn't want me to hook up with while I was blacked out drunk, so I lost that. Okay. Um, you know, I, I was starting to kind of spin out and lose a lot of my supports. When I was... This is where we get into my patented oversharing part, but this, this <laughs> does... This is relevant to my music. <laughs> I swear to God, makes sense. When I was 18, I met a 36-year-old man who was all too willing to listen and mm. be my friend. And uh, it turned out he was a complete, complete predator, um, of course. Bad shit happens. Let's leave it at that. Okay. Um, the word kidnapping has been used by other people mm. for what happened. I feel like that's a strong word. It wasn't good. You know, eventually there were police reports made and that didn't go anywhere. And I'm 18. I have PTSD. And I finally figured out that I'm definitely not female. Well, that realization had been coming. So you've been kind of processing that over time. Yeah, okay. it, was, it was pretty confusing because um, I've never been a terribly masculine person necessarily um and i was mainly attracted to men mm -hmm. and at this time you know this is like 2006 2007 trans men weren't super visible i actually i didn't even know that they like had those 
what's well, very recent that it's even become part of the the conversation exactly so i just i didn't know i mean like i found out what trans was when i was in like fifth grade because of the guanarajo murder and of course the media discourse around that was terrible yeah. and you know she was a trans woman so what i found out is like there's only trans women they're probably like fake people who don't deserve to live and they get killed that was like you know my introduction to the concept of trans so i was like oh well that's that's not a thing that you be obviously you don't want to do that but yeah around uh 2008 i'd finally been exposed to the idea of trans men and um i still kind of thought that transitioning was going to make me like an unlovable undesirable person who would be forever alone but i was pissed off and traumatized enough that i didn't care at the time by this point did you actually have people to talk to about it or were you still kind of i was still pretty much on my own okay um and you know I, I'm, I'm making it sound like i had this like horribly like neglectful like absent parent situation or whatever it was really just a couple of crucial years in my life where that wasn't where i wasn't getting that support and uh, i love my family just just the disclaimer yeah so i, I was pretty alone my my BFF was kind of back in my life again, uh, reluctantly. That was your girlfriend from years ago? Yeah, okay. yeah. Yeah, you know, I kind of slowly started to tell my parents what was going on, and there were mixed reactions to that, but not, not horrible reactions. I and started... Do you have any other siblings? Or? Yeah, I do. I have a, a younger brother. Okay. Um, and he was just like, well, duh, of course you're a boy, you have short hair. Yeah, I have a brother. You know, he just kind of like oh, took that, it that makes it easy. Yeah, yeah, younger brother, awesome. So yeah, I started transitioning around nineteen, and um, entered the kind of hellhole that is being a late teens, early twenties young trans person. <laughs> I mean, the early twenties are always a shit show. I think for most people, yeah, they look back and go, yeah. Yeah, it's like, okay, but, I thought I had it all figured out. And but, I mean, I was I was crazy, and everyone around me was crazy, because we were basically, like, everyone... I, I started to find my community, you okay. know? So you were asking if I had someone to talk to. Yeah, I started to find people. I, um, I was interning at Lyric mm -hmm. for a little bit, you know, Lavender Youth Recreation Info Information Center yeah. uh, down in the Castro. So when I kind of started to meet other young queers... And we were all, you know, like traumatized to some extent and like had mental health issues. I was drinking way too much and I was kind of went from self-harming, you know, guiltily and compulsively to almost self-harming recreationally mm -hmm. um, pretty quickly, <laughs> if you can imagine such a thing. And we tried to be there for each other. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to kind of skip lightly over my early 20s by just saying it was a hot mess. Okay. And at times I tried to form a band out of, you know, other people like me. You know, we'd have some rehearsals for some months and then something completely crazy would happen. Someone would get stabbed. Someone would get 5150. Someone would move to Half Moon Bay without bothering to tell anyone. I mean, these are all right, like right. examples of things that my former band members were involved in at some point and um no, you know I, I got sober at 24 and i always yeah. think of 
everything up to that point was a train wreck. Yeah. Happening car by car by yes. car. And even after I got sober, it wasn't done wrecking. Oh yeah, there was no, still there the, was still that like momentum going, and it kind of yeah. And then the yeah. cleanup crew took years to actually finish oh, yeah. up the work. So oh yeah, I, I, I relate. I think a lot of people can relate. Mm-hmm. So. Totally. So yeah, I was I was in the like the uh, garbage fire period of my life All right. for sure. I got sober 2012. Okay. Yeah, May, and um, things started to be a little less hectic but as you described exactly as you described like some of those train cars were still mm. you know the brakes have been slammed on but they're it's still all gonna still motion yeah they're in motion <laughs> they're gonna crash into each other for sure you know like i i'd written a lot of the songs that became the truant songs okay i'd played them with people but you know the name the truants hadn't come into being the current lineup began so, had you thought of yourself as a singer up to this point or was that i was or? i wanted to be a singer but i was scared i thought that my voice was not good enough and so i was a singing bassist essentially oh, okay. i was like justifying my existence with my bass all right i'm like well i wrote these songs and i can play bass so i'm allowed to sing them in my terrible voice right like that that was my whole all right, all strategy right. kind of singing through the back door yeah, yeah, I was I was uh, not very confident in my voice. So the current lineup began when I asked Esteban, I'm like, dude, can you just stand in on drums for me for a little while so that I can try to find a guitarist? Because just to remind people, Esteban's, Esteban's dad. my dad. Okay. Yeah, the, the Ethel Maroon <laughs> Experience drummer, my father. Because I was kind of at the end of my rope with, especially drummers. Drummers was what I had the worst luck okay. with. I just, I was hemorrhaging drummers. Um, <laughs> so I asked him to stand in, and then um, Khalil, our amazing guitarist, was kind of introduced to me by, I think, someone who was low-key trying to get me and Khalil to hook up with each other. Okay. <laughs> um, but that didn't happen. We just started talking about music, and then suddenly I'm auditioning him for my bands. Oh, very cool. At which point, Esteban and Khalil, like, have musical chemistry and just, like, just, like, good friend chemistry. And it just gels. And I'm like, well, fuck. My dad's in my band now because I have this amazing guitarist <laughs> and he's not going to stick around if I get rid of Esteban, so... Did you like, ever think that you'd be playing in a band with your dad? I didn't. I serious. It was a complete accident. Really cool, though. It actually is really fucking cool. And it's worked out way better than I expected. It's it's funny, because he and I butt heads. He's probably the band member that I kind of pick on the most, because uh, mostly of his penchant of um, wanting to play ska and reggae beats all the time. Mm. Um, like, at the most inappropriate of times. Okay. It's like, oh, it'll be funny, it'll sound cool, and like, <sighs> we've been over this. <laughs> he listens to, like a lot of house music and dance music these days, so a lot of the time he wants to be a little more chilled out than I want him to. And wanted to play faster. He thinks that it would be cooler if it was like a slow, slouchy kind of groove. And, you know. But we get along. And he gets along musically with everyone else. So yeah, we became the truants, I guess somewhat inspired by the fact that my dad was in the bands. And I'd taken the name Johnny Truant. Mm. 
Okay. Legally, by the way. Oh, all right. Uh, <laughs> which you might not know, but that's the name of a character from the book House of Leaves, which I was... We'll talk about House of Leaves in a minute. All right. I, I have some literary influences on me, too. So, you know, I'm Johnny Truant. It's my band. Not only is my father in it, but between me, Esteban, and Khalil, it's starting to feel super familial. Yeah. So I'm like, well, call it the Truants. You know, it kind of sounds like a, a family. Yeah. Right? And so it, originally it was just the three of us. And, you so know. So were you on bass at the time? I was on bass okay. at the time and singing. Started playing at Submission, which is no more. God, I remember the name of it. Where was it? It was at uh, 18th and uh, Mission. God, I, you know, there's so many yeah. clubs that have closed that it's hard. I, yeah. I, remember the, I remember the name. I'm just trying to remember. It was one of the few, like, all ages places left in San Francisco. Because I remember the commotion used to be around there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that was a fire hazard. <laughs> eh, probably. Yeah. I don't know. You know. It was a punk rock place. Yeah. I miss a lot. They were the first people who would book us. Okay. Um, for a long time, we couldn't get out of there. It's actually really funny, because they were like around the block from our rehearsal space. Okay, so, so you we, started playing out as a three-piece act. Yeah. All right. So, I mean, we could have just carried our gear around the block if we'd wanted to, just yeah. like on foot to go play at Submission. Um, so, yeah, we're playing as a three-piece, and it's, you know, it's going okay. You know, the new band's drill. Mm -hmm. Um People were liking us, kind of playing a lot of shitty shows, though. It's hard to get people to come out because it was hard to get booked with, you know, the really good bands, blah, 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 right. blah. A lot of the same things that we still struggle with to a slightly less, uh, slightly lesser degree. Well, and especially right now where things are in the Bay Area. Oh, areas. God. Well, I'm, I'm not even... I mean, it's, there's not a lot of clubs. There's not a lot of... Yeah. Anything. Yeah. It's, it's as if a plague of locusts came through. And they were techies, but you know, I mean, yeah, I'm a, I'm a San Francisco native. I can start foaming at the mouth about gentrification. Yeah, I'm, I'm actually I'm, trying to put that shovel down because I, I, yeah. I have, that was that, that was my fault on that one because I I pick up the shovel, I start digging, and I'm like, you know what, I got to step away yeah, from that yeah. ledge well, because we we can go back to the ledge later and maybe even just jump off of it. I'm I'm cool with that. But, all right, all right. Because yeah, I mean, I'm a a San Francisco native with a band that rehearses in the mission like okay. i have feelings on gentrification yeah yeah um i've been out here about 25 years so far from a native but it's definitely well, home you've, you've been here almost as long as me so. <laughs> <laughs> uh anyway yeah so we, we started playing as a three-piece we did that for a while and kind of hit like a plateau i would say of like people weren't really we weren't getting more fans and I started to think that I wanted a bassist, and I wanted to just, you know, be able to jump around and sing. And so I ended up asking my boyfriend to play bass in my band, Colin. It was funny, because he would sh come to all of our shows, as the boyfriend, of course. Okay. And people would always think he was in the band, because he's so gorgeous and he dresses like a fucking rock star. Well, he just looks. He I mean, just he I, just looks like he's in the band. He looks, you know? yeah, he looks like he should be in the band. So yeah. we were like, "Fine, like, do you want to be in the bands? Come be in the frickin' band." So that's how I ended up in a band with my father and my boyfriend at the same time. And then Khalil, honestly, even though I didn't know him before he was in my band, has become so close that 
that relationship too is almost like you know at that level of closeness i would say yeah yeah so so colin started playing bass for me i started jumping around like an idiot on stage people started to like us a lot better okay you know they really started to respond to the amount of energy that i was able to bring and i started to really like singing I feel like I could be actually pretty okay at it. I, I think of myself as a vocalist more than a singer. Yeah. You know, to me, a singer is someone who hits a note just perfectly, and it sounds great. You know, it's technically very well done. A vocalist is someone who, you know, even if they're off key or, you know, even if they're just kind of incoherently screaming they're a good performer and they're expressive, you know, and you connect yeah. with it. Some people are both good singers and good vocalists. But I think being a but, rock singer, there's, there's, yeah. it's a, it's a different realm anyway. Oh yeah, totally. You know, it's, it's, totally. it's there's, there's more freedom for one mm -hmm. and you get to kind of carve out the niche that you want to be in. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, I became just the singer, just the front man. And we picked up some momentum. <laughs> it was, uh, really kind of shocking so that was that was when the band like really gelled into mm -hmm. what it was meant to be and how long has that lineup been that's been about a year now okay so i guess yeah we're about two years old okay at this point yeah so what are the some of the plans that you have with the band right now we're slightly stalled on a uh an album or ep we haven't decided which it is yet it was meant to be a full-length album but, you know, some people don't feel that they want certain tracks included after all. Uh, yeah. EPs are always cool. EPs are always cool. And also, like, you know, it's the age of digital releases. You can pretty much make your shit whatever, yeah. whatever length you want it. It'll probably end up being about seven songs. So kind of weird in between. Is it an EP? You could make a tenant. Is it an album? don't know. Maybe. That would yeah, be cool. I would love to actually have vinyl, yeah. but I don't know, you know, if that's in our budget. We'll see. And yeah, we recorded with uh, Kelly Stoltz. I don't know if you know I've heard him. the name. But yeah, he's, he's kind of a, kind of like the bedroom indie rock guru of San Francisco. Okay. You know, he's do like these lo-fi recordings in his room and like play all the instruments and make oh, these okay. weird little songs and Kind of got semi-famous doing that. He's like toured with Jack White. Um, oh, very Actually, cool. right now he's touring with Echo and the Bunnymen. Serious? Yeah, he's. I think he's playing guitar for them. Yeah. So Kelly Stoltz, cool guy. Recorded with him, and right now we're supposed to be mixing and mastering. But you know the schedules of mixing engineers and the schedules of bands are sometimes fickle. Yeah. But yeah, we are working on the new album. As okay. fast as we can. Right now, the only thing we have out is a demo that's pretty much two years old and uh, doesn't really represent how we sound very well anymore. So that's pre four four piece. Yeah, that okay. was three piece. Um, it's raw. I think that there's some songs on it that are pretty cool, and I would love to re-record them in a way where they sound better to me. Those raw demo recordings would be really fun though, because. There's a there's an insight into the band. That, yes, yeah. And especially once you get to know the band and you hear that, it's... I mean, we we did everything live. We didn't even overdub vocals. Like, okay. it, it, there's, like, no mixing, 
no mastering. It's just, it's naked. In fact, uh, one of the songs on the 60 Volts demo, uh, Opiate, at the end, uh, Khalil broke a string, and you can hear it if you listen. Oh, cool. And we, we kept that version, because it was awesome. Yeah. But you, you can't reproduce Yeah, you can't like reproduce that. that. We were just like, that's the one! <laughs> we have changed a lot since that demo, and we really need something that represents us out. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's really... But, you know, honestly, the album, even since we recorded it, we now have all these other new songs that we would like to record. And That's a good thing. I feel like we've moved in a different direction. Uh, yeah, one thing that happened is I, um, I wrote a lot of the songs that we played at first while I was very mentally unhealthy. Okay. You know, I was in addiction, I was in my PTSD, and... Yeah, t uh, 27 is really just about old enough to have really seen some things change since I was growing up. I mean, even just since I first came out as trans, the whole discourse around that is so different. Yeah, just I mean, radically different. Oh, so radically different. I mean, coming out around 2008, a lot of people, you know, barely even knew what that meant. Good luck trying to get most people to use your pronouns. Yeah. You know, even if they thought they were well intentions. I, I'm almost a little bit bitter at this point because they're like individuals I know who used to like blow me off and be really rude to me about my gender identity, and now they're like trans ally number one, and they're like teaching like little workshops on like how to use the right pronouns for people and yeah. whatever and i'm just like shut the fuck up where were you when i was 19 but you know it's good that people change yeah but i i still i still sometimes feel a little bitter it's like wow where did all these supportive people come from yeah yeah. because i know that a lot of them were the same people who used to kind of suck a lot but you know it is what it is Seven's an interesting age, too, because yeah. I think for a lot of people, that's really the transition into adulthood. Yes. And in many ways, I welcome that transition, and in many ways, I want to say, fuck that transition. I resent a lot of what adulthood means in society, and I really value what adulthood and maturity has meant in my life. I'm not ready to... You know, settle down, mm -hmm. give up the music, whatever. I mean, it, of course, it's a, a process of negotiating between your day job and your music and well, you've got your a other perfect passions. Role model in Esteban. I do. I do. I mean, I'm I'm 47, mm -hmm. and I still play music. And, yeah, yeah. But I think it is finding that balance in life, and I think that's absolutely really challenging for a lot of people. Yeah. And I've watched Esteban uh, go in and out of balance, yeah. you know, because when I was younger, he was not playing music so much. He's also an amazing visual artist, uh, painter and mural mm -hmm. artist. And he wasn't doing that stuff for a while, too, when I was younger. Um, it's suffocating. You know, it was, it was just, like you know, he, he's, a, he's a small business owner also, like, yeah. so he spends a lot of time being consumed by that, because that's what happens. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I've watched him come to balance. However, he, uh, you know, came to balance kind of after trying to do the kind of straight world parent, you know, 
husband's working to support everyone yeah. thing. But it, it's hard because, I mean, there are the dominant yeah. narratives that are running through totally. things. And, and well, I just, I just want to, like, preempt my midlife crisis, you know? Like, I don't want to get to that place where I'm like, how did I become this? How did I lose all these things I valued? Well, the only people I ever saw have midlife crisis were those who could afford to have them. The rest of us didn't bother wasting time with it. So, yeah. if that helps put it in perspective. It does, I guess. I guess. So, yeah. you had mentioned earlier the, the House of Leaves. Oh, House of Leaves, yeah. House of Leaves is a really strange book, which I think is really amazing. Some people think it's really pretentious and overrated. Um, I'm not familiar yeah. with it. So. It's more or less a work of horror fiction. Okay. It's also very experimental and postmodern and bizarre. The author is a guy called Mark Z. Danielewski. I hope I'm pronouncing that somewhat right. His father died, and uh, he kind of had a freak out and wrote this crazy, bizarre book, just like out of his grief. And uh, his sister is the singer-songwriter Poe, from like the 90s and she also had a freak out and created an album called haunted which is also super amazing and parallels the novel so should you read the book while listening to the music you, the you could okay. absolutely it's very cool and like they interwove each other's projects you know and like made references to the album and the book like back and forth and yeah the book is kind of about this guy johnny truant finds a manuscript mm -hmm. in a the house of an old elderly man who has died and the manuscript is like this weird critical analysis of a movie that seems not to exist okay and also the guy who wrote it is blind and yet he's writing this critical analysis of this movie that's not real with all this visual description and he clearly couldn't have watched it so that's fucking weird and then the movie itself is a documentary about a house that is bigger on the inside than it is on the outside. Okay. And, like, all these, like, bizarre, like, secret passages just, like, sprout off of it. And it's actually fucking creepy as hell. And, like, there's kind of a whole plot that just happens in the footnotes as, like, Johnny Truant is, like, reading this manuscript and he's kind of, like, slowly losing his mind and... Quite difficult to explain, but the book means a lot to me. I have this tattoo on my arm that says, This is not for you. And that's the dedication of the book. Oh, okay. Um, cool. It's also in courier font, which is important because all of Johnny Truant's parts are in courier font. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Okay. Um, it, it's, I'm a major nerd about it, obviously. So, yeah, my my name and my band's name is kind of a, a low-key reference to House of Leaves. Some of the songs also have House of Leaves references in them. We're also not the first band to do that. I'll have to check out that Yeah, no, it, it's kind of a funny little... Uh, it's less of a fandom and more of kind of a weird obsession. Almost like a little cult or something. Yeah, I don't know. It'd be fun to read. Yeah, it, it's good. It's also one of like two works of fiction I've read that have actually scared me. Okay. And the other was 1408 by Stephen King. I haven't read that one. Yeah, it's, it's, it's messed up. 
I might have to skip that yeah. one. It's it's about a messed up hotel room. Okay. But if if you're not the kind of person who you know everyone's got their different like what scares them in horror if they even like horror. I freak out with the architectural horror, you know, the haunted houses or hotel rooms or whatever. That's what's going to get to me for whatever reason. See, I, what I've always enjoyed in horror the most is the not knowing. Mm. To me, when I don't know, yeah, it's so much more frightening than the moment it becomes corporeal, the moment it has a face, then it's I start strategizing as to how to take it out. Yeah. That's one of the fun things about House of Leaves. Um, there, there might be something in the passages but you never fucking see it okay so that's ever. that to me is it, like that's yeah, real horror because it's, it's, it's our minds fill yeah. in the blanks then and it's really messed up that's cool yeah so well, yeah let me ask you because we, we have one mm-hmm. question we try and ask all our guests okay is, cool what does music mean to you holy shit <laughs> there, there's a few ways to answer that music in general is just kind of a necessity of life to me it might sound cliche or pretentious but i certainly and i think humanity in general gets a certain kind of emotional nourishment from music that we need Mm -hmm. some people don't need it and those people kind of freak me out it's like people (laughs) who really don't care about music kind of freak me out right shakespeare even wrote things about that about people who don't like music, you can't trust them. Yeah. I mean, all art is like that, but music has a, a very special, very special place. I think it gets ingrained in our memories more precisely than most other forms of art. You know, because you see a painting and you kind of remember what it looks like, mm-hmm. but unless you have a photographic memory, it's not just like there in your head. Right. But if you hear a great melody, it just stays within you. Yeah. You know what I mean? You it gets stuck in your head. You hum it. You you know it. So that's kind of all music, okay. music in general, rock music in particular, and kind of the more specific subgenres that interest me, mm-hmm. which is you know, punk, post punk, goth, death rock, glam rock. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm attracted to the freaky weird androgynous types of rock music basically like the david bowie's the david bowie's yeah early bauhaus always had that feel to yes too. yes uh peter murphy's a, a huge uh <laughs> in, inspiration both like of my music and my gender <laughs> you know it's kind of fun we're st- recovering stigmata murder right now mm-hmm. And it turns out that I've listened to that song so many times that I can imitate his vocal rather uncannily well. Nice. It's, it's so much fun. But yeah, I mean, even like Iggy Pop with some eyeliner on and, you know, some like shiny silver pants or whatever. Oh, like, sexy. Yeah, like I, I'm really into that. Like the male, the androgynous male rock star is kind of all up in my gender and sexuality also. Okay. You Even know. like Freddie Mercury was kind of in that. He was a little more masculine, but he still kind of crossed. He, he doesn't do it for me as much. And yeah. like, again, with the, the mustache. It was a timepiece, you know, yeah. It was. Yeah. I like some of his songs, but I might go on a murder spree if I ever hear Bohemian Rhapsody again. <laughs> and I will. 
So apologies if I right, go well, on murder spree. These, these, you put it out there. And <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm just, I'm just saying, like, I mean, please, please get out of my way if that song starts playing. They made us sing that in choir in high school mm. also. Just, uh, I digress. But yeah, um, I feel like a lot of gay men have some kind of male archetype that they are attracted to and that they also want to try to become seems to be pretty common you know so like for example you have maybe all those um all the leather dudes who saw marlon brando in the wild one okay or you know later on they saw scorpio rising or they saw some like tom of finland drawings mm -hmm. and so now you have all these guys who kind of look like that right you know they've got like the look and and they're all into each other right Kind of same with the chill mask bros, although I think that their source of inspiration is... Ken dolls. Yeah, essentially. Yes. Um, I don't find it very inspiring. For me, I've just always wanted to embody the androgynous male rocker. Mm -hmm. And I'm attracted to men who are the same way. I mean, look at Colin. Like, So yeah, that's part of what certain types of rock music mean to me is it's also like all up in my gender and sexuality I mean, rock music has to do with sex just fundamentally that's what rock and roll meant originally like it was a euphemism for fucking yeah well i think it was yeah gene simmons who i don't quote gene simmons a lot but in this okay. case i think he's very quotable is he was talking about trying out a guitar player mm -hmm. and he's like these guys would come in and they'd play the songs perfectly yeah but he finally was like look you don't play rock and roll from your head. You don't play it from your heart. You play it from your fucking cock. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, that's kind of where yeah, it goes. Yeah, yeah, You know? Uh-huh. No, absolutely. It makes me a little sad that rock music has been declining for a while now. It's not that I hate electronic music or hip-hop. <sighs> okay, maybe I hate electronic music a little bit. Not all of it, but I really prefer it when real instruments are used, yeah, at I least like a little too. bit. I mean, it can be, be fun to combine, like, some drum machines and some, you know. But it's also, I, I hate to say it, but a lot of that stuff, there's no sexy about it. It's true. Which is funny, it's because true. that's what people dance to, and, yeah. and it's supposed to be, but it's like, rock and roll is sexy. Yeah. I mean, there's, inherently, there's... There's that that infuses the music, mm -hmm, and there's mm -hmm. a there's a raw primal. It, it's not it's not completely perfect. That's one of the things that really matters to me about rock music. Now, of course, there's like overproduced crap out there that they've you know fixed everything yeah. to be perfectly on beat, and you know it might as well be electronic at that point. But like, okay, I'm I'm just bringing this up because mm -hmm. it comes to mind easily. I'm actually not a Beatles fan, but there are famous Beatles recordings where they have made mistakes, yeah. you know, and they might not be super bad or obvious mistakes, but like, that's the version of the song that is immortal. Yeah. And no one fucking cares. It's okay. It adds a little more personality and soul. The stuff that you can kind of just... In some ways, rock music lets us be more human. It does. It does. You know, there's, there's a, a ritual to rock and roll there's a physicality to it it's visceral and electronic music isn't 
so visceral. Yeah. Yeah, you can just kind of program things, and it, it's cool. I have a friend who's a math PhD, and he's also really interested in being an electronic music producer. And he'll just, like, geek out and explain how, like, sound is mathematics. And, you know, he's, like, programming and twisting all these little dials and, but you know, enters an equation. No. And see, then it's, it's very intellectual, very interesting. Yeah. It's... But it doesn't, it doesn't make me feel anything. Yeah. And, yeah, and then as, as far as hip-hop, I, um, I really like hip-hop, but I like it more, and this is rare, when there's a live band. Well, see, my challenge with hip-hop was always, I almost always know where the riffs come from. Yeah. And so it's like, I'm, I'm, the minute I hear a riff that's being used in a hip-hop song, I go, oh, I know. And then I start thinking about the other song. Yeah, it's, yeah. So I think my, my history with music makes it challenging sometimes. Totally. But, you know, like, uh, The Coup mm-hmm. from Oakland, you know yeah. them? Fucking amazing. And they went to a live band, and they got more fucking amazing. Yeah. As far as I'm concerned. Yeah, just, just like, play physical instruments, and I'll be fairly happy. <laughs> I'm not saying that all music played with real instruments is superior to electronic music. You know, I'd much rather listen to the Crystal Castles than, like, Steve Miller Band, but, mm-hmm. yeah, just saying. The Truants is kind of a punk band in ethic and sentiment in some ways, but not so much in sound. You know, DIY, not being completely overproduced, being a little raw. Like, these are things that I value. Um, One thing that I enjoyed about your music was that uh, there were elements of, like, kind of the 80s new wave in there, too, which I I really enjoy some of that, too. Yeah. Well, no, I mean, I I think um, my my biggest influences are all coming out of, um, you know, 70s punk and then like 80s post-punk and yeah. new wave and gothic rock for the most part. Eh, the 90s gets in there a little bit. There's definitely some Nirvana up in my songwriting mm-hmm. because Kurt Cobain's an amazing songwriter and it's been indelibly etched on my mind. Oh yeah. All those, uh, those like flatted fifths. He loves his accidentals and I do too. Um, anyway, yeah, what music means to me. I guess I kind of covered some of it. Okay, I'll, I'll say one more thing, too, though. And I, I kind of touched on this when I talked about, like, the ritual mm-hmm. of rock. Is, is There's also, like, the, the communal aspect. Yeah. Like, the, the coming together, you know. Um, whether it's the band in rehearsal, getting together and making music together, which is always awesome. Yeah. Or if you get to have an audience, the, the connection of live music is just again sorry to be trite but it's definitely the greatest high i've ever experienced oh i'm with you i love you know, it I mean, it's so much better than um any of the crap i did before i usually seem a little drunk after i get off stage especially when i'm fronting in mm-hmm. particular because i just i kind of like build myself up into this really kind of crazy headspace I'm a rock idol in my own mind, at the very least. Mm-hmm. Even if, you know, the audience is like five people going, who the fuck is this guy? Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I really I really kind of get high on it. And um, I've even been observed, like, stumbling and slurring my words a little bit. I don't know what that is, because I'm stone-cold sober at all times. <laughs> no, I get it, though. It's a cathartic yeah, experience. Yeah, it's, it's great. I mean, it would be nice to be rich, 
not necessarily too famous because mm-hmm. that seems stressful. But I, I would like to someday make my living off of my music and, you know, have some people actually know about it and like it and care about it and have it mean something to someone. Is there a place online that people can find your stuff? Yeah, you can go to thetruantsband.com. Okay. And there are links from thence to, you know, Bandcamp and SoundCloud and, you know, all that good stuff. We've, we have a little bit on YouTube also. I made kind of a fun found footage video for our song Opiate. Okay. Using clips um, from, like, 50s, like, anti-drug you know, propaganda. Mm-hmm. It's really fun. Reefer Madness and all that. Yeah, but you know. Actually, that's pretty It was, yeah, wow, I guess it is older than that. There might have been a little bit of Reefer Madness in there, but it was mostly about, like, you know, the real dope fiends with their mm-hmm. needles and their rock music or whatever. Yeah, so, uh, thetruantsband.com. Um, yeah, cool. Yeah. Yeah. Well, this has been a lot of fun. Thank you so much Thank for coming you. aboard. Thank you for having me and letting me ramble on. It was my pleasure. This yeah. was great. So, again, good luck with the recordings. And Thank you. Hopefully people will take a visit to thetruantsband.com. Yeah. And, and hopefully there will be new recordings that you can actually hear next spring. All right. Sounds yeah. good. All right. Thank okay. you. Okay. Thank you. Thank you.